Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. I heard a story told by uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones about a farmer. It goes like this. One day, a farmer came in and reported to his wife that their best milking cow, Betsy, had um, calves, and she was going to have a a baby calf. Uh, Well, uh, months passed by, and when the cow gave birth, she had two beautiful, extremely healthy, gorgeous calves, one being white and the other being red. Well, he said to his wife, you know what we have to do. Since we have been so blessed with two healthy, beautiful baby calves from our best cow, Betsy, we need to give one of them to the Lord. His wife immediately looked at him and just with glee, she said, well, which one? He goes, it doesn't matter. What we need to do is raise them as if they're both ours and then the best one we give to the Lord in the end. She was so proud of her her husband that day. Well, days began to pass, and months began to pass, and both of these cows just grew up, the, just the picture-perfect calves, just growing up, putting on great weight, nice strength, and they began to just become the most beautiful calves you had ever seen. These were going to be award-winning cows later on. And one day, as he went out to go milk Betsy, old faithful, he came back in just with distraught and a white face. He sat down just broken at the dinner table. The wife looked at him and said, what, what, what happened? Did, did Betsy die? And he said, no, even worse. The calf that we were going to give to the Lord passed away. Wow. And she got oh. breath taken out of her lungs. She goes, but wait. He goes, what? I thought you said that you didn't know which calf was going to be given to the Lord. And he goes, no, 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 I chose the white one right away, and it's definitely the Lord's that died. You see, unless we look at what the Lord has given us as all His, and unless we look to the Lord as our rewarder, God's calf will always die in our life. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. That's our main passage for today. Starting in verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in or steal. 
Read verse 21 with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question is, what do we treasure the most in life? What do we treasure the most in life? The word treasure here, treasure, is the word thesario. And we get the word thesaurus from it. And it means to stack up treasure. To stack up, like stacking up gold coins. When I think of that idea, I think of Scrooge McDuck, you know, you guys ever watch that? Maybe I'm dating myself. I'm an 80s kid, you know, and DuckTales used to be like a go-to cartoon when I was a kid. And Scrooge McDuck, he would sit there and he would stack his coins. And he loved his money. In fact, he swam in his money. But he always had stacks of coins all around the house. And he loved stacking his coins. It's stacking of treasures like gold coins. What we stack up What we lay aside or attempt to build is a personal disclosure of who we are or what's inside, is what Christ is saying. Now I want you to note real quick that Jesus isn't saying that we can't have treasures on earth. And Jesus isn't even saying that laying things aside for a rainy day is a bad thing. It's, it's, God isn't saying if you have a bank account or if you have a 401k, you're a wicked person. Okay, A lot of times you kind of think those types of things. You know, uh, a lot of times you, you know, people will look at people with wealth and they'll say, imagine if they had only given, but we have no clue what's taking place in, in the dark corners of the earth. Right? We don't know what they're doing when, when no one's looking. We don't know that, so we can't judge. In fact... Proverbs 13.22, it says that a wise man will lay an inheritance for his children and for his children's children. So savings is important. In fact, God looks at it as wise and, and a righteous thing that can be done. But God doesn't say that we should stack our money and look at it as, look what I have accomplished. This is saying, don't make life about what life and this world can offer. The heart of this passage is look to what eternal life can bring for you. But the issue here is not in the storing, like I said. It's not about the storing because God wants us to store. He says, stack your treasures in heaven. The question is, where is your heart? Where is our heart's focus? If you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, because here we have a a verse that likens so beautifully to Matthew chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 to 27. God says this, He says, Watch over your heart with all diligence. In fact, He's saying, Be quick. And be sure, make sure that you are watching and guarding over your heart. Why? Well, he gives us the answer in the next half of this passage. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your mouth deceitful 
and put away devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead of you and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. He's saying, hey, look, don't be distracted by what the earth can provide you. Keep focused on the road that God has you upon. Stay focused on the prize which is in the end seated at the right hand of God. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor the left or turn your foot from evil. Our heart is where it's at, is what this passage is saying. What it wants and what it displays is a good indicator of what we are stacking up like Scrooge McDuck as importance. What we are placing on one on top of another as important within our lives. Solomon knew that if his son looked around too much, that he would put a value on things that were earthly valuable, but lacked a heavenly importance. Amen? And that's why he's looking at his son and he's saying, hey look, you were born in a wealthy home. You were born in the house of kings. You ate at the, at the table of the king. Don't let that be what is important in your life. By doing this, his son could find himself cultivating worldly value, but being spiritually empty. Whereas Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world but in the process of accumulating, he has lost himself, his soul, his very psyche, the person who he is in Christ. Matthew 6.21, going back, it's for this reason Jesus says these words, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what we put value on will rule your hearts and guide your minds. Jesus wants heavenly rule in our hearts. If your value is get money at all costs, get a big house at all costs, what did you lose in order to gain? You've lost friends, maybe? Friend, kids? Spouse? Harmed relationships in the process? Listen to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, again, out of what he's stacking up in his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, or the evil stacking in his heart, he brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Listen, brothers and sisters, you hide what you treasure. You hide what you treasure close at hand in your heart. It's like when you're a kid and you got your favorite toy. You put it in your pocket because you wanted to have it at all times. And, and that's the easiest place to lose it, but you always feel that that is your comfort. 
And if you need it, it's right there. You could pull it out and you hold it, right? You'd sit there holding it in school. I remember when I got a pocket knife from my dad for the first time. And this is before when they made like having anything metal and sharp illegal at school. It was this tiny little pocket knife. I carry it everywhere. And I would hold on to it. When teacher is up there and, you know, writing on the board, I'd hold on to it. Why? Because that was the comfort. That was my treasure. My dad had given that to me. I remember one day we went fishing, and we had to run to, you know, okay, so we went fishing in a golf course. We weren't really, really supposed to be there. Yeah, one of those. It was, it was like at five in the morning, so no one was really out there. Maybe Renell and Danny were out there, but no one else. But I remember running to the little, you know, pond, lake, whatever they had there. I mean, when you're, you know, eight years old, it looks like, you know, the ocean in the middle of those things. We ran over there, and as I was running, it slipped out of my pocket. I get to the edge of the water, and this was like going to be the first time I could use my knife. My dad's like, oh, you know what? Your, your line is frayed. Let's cut it, and let's go ahead and put on a new hook. I'm like, let's use my knife! And I reach in my pocket. And it's not there. And I was distraught. My treasure was gone. The thing that I had kept close at hand was gone. And brothers and sisters, you protect in the bank of your heart close at hand. You protect in your heart what you value the most. What drives you. What wakes you up in the morning. You keep close at hand in the bank of your heart. What you value and what you, you have in your heart and what you set yourself towards. That object, that thing, whatever it is. And if your heart is set on the goal, you will find a way of trying to accomplish it and fulfill it, whatever it is, right? Whatever you set your mind and heart towards, you want to accomplish. Think of the day that you asked a beautiful woman to marry you, men. You said, oh man, I have set my heart towards her. And I'm going to marry her no matter what it takes. And even if her parents tell me a million times no, I'm going to keep on asking until I get that blessing, right? Why? Because that's what your heart was set towards. Whatever our heart is set towards, we go towards that goal. Full steam. So what is your heart set towards? Jesus says, set your heart towards things that are scriptural, towards things that are heavenly, not earthly. The earth throws tons of things at you to put in your heart and try to distract you and tell you, try to get this. Try to get that. But Jesus says, hey, set your heart towards heavenly goals, heavenly purpose. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 with me again real quick. Read it again with me, verses 19 to 20. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is making a point here. Stop putting value on things that do 
not last. Do you see the two sides that Jesus is putting up against one another? And on His scale, He's saying, okay, what you're putting and stacking on earth, and what you can stack in heaven, they are completely unbalanced. Why? Because the things that you put a value on on earth can be stolen in an instant. Can be lost in a blink of an eye. Can be settled with rust. Can be covered by moth that eat up and destroy it. You know, when, when Jesus is saying this thing, he's, he's using the idea of the beautiful fabric that people put such huge value on in that time. And He's saying, hey, guess what? That thing that you value so heavily, that thing, that Egyptian silk that comes and it's just gorgeous and it comes in and it's purple and everybody is wearing it and that has wealth and money and as soon as they put it in their, and they're packed away in that chest inside of their closet, you know what ends up happening? Is the moth says, man, that's a yummy snack. And the larvae eat it up and it's got holes and it's so costly to try to fix that it's useless. And that gold that you built a, a tomb around can be dug under and stolen in an instant. And that house that you said I needed to get, it could be taken from under you. Guys, you see, that's what Jesus is saying, but your reward, your treasure in heaven cannot be stolen. Amen? There are no moths that are going to eat holes inside of what you place in heaven. There are no thieves that can try to burrow under and take what you have in Christ. And there is no rust and there is no dust that settles in heaven. Amen? Jesus is pointing us to stop looking at things that have little value in eternity. Don't put a value on things that do not last and steal your focus off of Christ. But before we roll up our sleeves, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we, we preach a sermon, we get excited about something we hear in Scripture, and we roll up our sleeves and we just jump wholeheartedly into it, and we really don't pay attention to the entire passage, right? So before we, we roll up our sleeves and start making these eternal deposits in our ledger and, and thinking that we're just really hanging in tight and doing something great here, there's something you need to hear and see in this passage before we miss it. There's something important that we need to look about because in this passage, Jesus never says, get to work, does He? Do you see that in the passage? Jesus doesn't say, hey, get to work. He doesn't say that in this passage. But what we do hear Him say is for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 21. You see, a good doctor knows that you have to look at the problems. You have to look at the symptoms. You have to study the individual 
before you diagnose, right? You have to. You can't just go off of the symptoms and start treating the symptoms. Because the symptoms are just the out part of what is really bothering the individual. And Jesus is saying, hey look, your, your issue is not really that you're stacking up. Your, heart, your issue is your heart. And just like an experienced doctor, Jesus is diagnosing the source of our ailment here. He's saying, okay, let me cut to the quick and let you know really what's happening here. He's saying, your storage issues, your treasure issues, are the fact that you have a heart problem. You have a heart condition. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-4, to it says this, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's our focus. Our focus is on Christ. It continues, verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth, or as Jesus said, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. You see, it's all about the eternal in God's book. He's saying, I want you to focus your mind and your intention on me. I want your purpose in life to be about me and what I'm doing through you and for you. It's not about the action to earn, brothers and sisters. Jesus isn't saying, hey, go out there and try to earn reward in heaven. No, He's saying, focus on me. People go out all the time with intentions already set, don't they? You hear somebody, you just ask a kid. You know, I love it. My son, Elijah. You ask him, what do you want to do when you get older? And he tells you one answer. I'm going to be a billionaire. (laughs) How are you going to do that? I don't know. I'm just going to get a billion dollars. That's what he says. At least he knows what the end result is going to be, right? You see, people do that, where they're just like, I I don't care how I have to get there. I just want that end result. And Jesus is saying, okay, you can get to that end result, but what have you lost to get there? You could set your mind to earn money But a lot of times, your heart's not going to be into it, right? I mean, I've met so many people that they went into a certain job of study and a certain field of study, but they hate it. And they did it, why? You talk to them and they say, oh, well, because it makes a lot of money. Or because my parents thought, you know, that, you know, they always wanted me to be a doctor. Well, what did you like to do? Oh, man, I love playing drums. It's like, well... Yeah, you gained the whole world. 
but you forfeited who you were. You can do things with your heart not in it. And Jesus is saying, hey, let's take care of the heart. Let's get your heart into me. Let's get your heart and your heart focus into me and on heavenly things. Listen, even religious things can be done without your heart being in it because we see that all through Scripture. The Pharisees, they saw religious duty as a time punch, right? As going to the time clock and punching in every day. And it's like, let me just go ahead and punch in. And Jesus gives us the perfect example of people punching into religion, don't, doesn't He? Because He gives us the idea of the, of the, the, the Levite and the rabbi and the Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan. And there's a man just laying on the side of the road. And the priest, the rabbi, he walks up and he sees the man and he says, oh, he might be dying. But you know what? I'm not on the clock. And the Levite does the same thing, but the Samaritan says, if that were me. You see, his heart, his heart was right. And brothers and sisters, Christ wants our heart right. A heart that's turned to Him. If you view going to church and giving money and helping people or reading your Bible and praying and fasting and things like that as time served rather than getting your heart right, then you need an adjustment. We should be treasuring these things. We should be guarding these things and keeping them close to your hip like that little pocket knife that my dad gave me. It should be, oh my gosh, in my times I'm just reaching in and I'm calling out to God and praying. In my moments where I'm fasting or in my moments that I'm praying or my moments that I'm reading the Word of God, those are moments that I'm just holding on to that because that's my treasure. That's what I value. It's called treasure because there's joy in it. Amen? You see the benefit of it. You treasure it because you value it. You value the effort and you value the reward. Think about it in this way. Scriptures talk so much. In the Sunday school class right now, they're going through rewards and they're going through crowns and they're going through all those different aspects of the end time and the bema and the, and the great white throne judgment and all those different things. All those aspects. But Scripture talks so much about reward in heaven. Matthew 5, 11-12, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, 2 Timothy 4, 8. It talks about the faithful that endure through persecution in life will get a reward. If you love your enemy, Jesus says, hey look, you get a treasure in heaven for loving your enemy. Matthew 5, 43-48. We looked at that not too long ago. Jesus says, hey look, if you, if you even pray in secret, you just go to God and you talk to Him. In Matthew chapter 6, 5-6, He says, there's a reward in that. There's a treasure in that. Serving the Lord and His people, there's reward in that. Matthew 10, 41-42, 1 Corinthians 3.8, and Hebrews 6.10. Scripture points to eternal reward when we give. 
when we pray and fast in private, when you forgive someone, when you share the gospel, when you love your enemies, when you endure and are faithful in persecution and insult. In fact, Paul says it is for the steward to be found faithful. Or to be found faithful in life. But the problem is, a lot of times we just set our mind on the end thing that we want. If you want the perfect marriage, you got to work at a perfect marriage, right? It's not just you get married and the end result is there. Because if that's what you're looking for, you're going to end in divorce. If you want to be a boss, well, you got to be an employee first, right? You, you can't just jump the leadership chain and say, I'm the CEO the day you walk into Kmart. you got to push the cart first, right? And if you have your mind on being the CEO right away, then what's going to end up happening is after a couple of weeks, you're going to say, they don't respect me, they don't deserve me, and you're going to walk out. In a relationship with a friend, you can't expect to be their BFF the first day. You gotta work at the respect and the care and the love. You see, everything is tied to one another. It's about the earning, it's about the building, it's about the getting to the end result, not jumping to the end result. So set your mind on things above, seated at the right hand of God. Put your treasure on things above where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Real wealth is obtained by investing in heavenly treasure. Think of it in this way. When the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, when the rich young ruler came and he's asking Jesus he, he, you know, about the abundant eternal life, he's like, hey, look, Lord, I want to be rich in eternity. I want that rich, abundant life in eternity. I want that that you've been talking about. You said that you're going to hand over the keys of heaven in verse 14. That you're going to hand that over to the children. He's like, I want that. I want that. I want to be part of that. Jesus says to him, okay. Alright, you want that? Look at verse 21 and 22. Look at Jesus' response to the rich young ruler. He says, Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, you want to be whole, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure. You will have stacked up in heaven. And then, come, follow me. You see, Jesus isn't offering him eternal life here. Okay, He's not offering him salvation He's offering him an abundance in heaven. He's offering him an opportunity to disciple. You see, a lot of people get a little confused here. And they'll be like, oh, you know what this means? That uh, if you really want to earn heaven, you've got to sell everything and live like a pauper. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. You want to follow me? There's a cost to it. It's painful. There's a a lot of effort that goes into it. But you know what? The end result is something beautiful. Don't focus on the pain that it takes to get you there. 
When the rich young ruler heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Listen, to earn great reward, it takes changing your focus on earth. To have an abundant life in Christ, it takes heavenly focus, doesn't it? That's what Jesus is talking about. Listen to what Peter, I love Peter because he's kind of, you know, he's just, he's us, right? The other guys, they're too young to really, you know, pick up on things. Peter, he's like, wait, I heard that. Look at Peter in verse 27. He hears what Jesus talks to the rich young ruler. About sell everything, get rid of everything, follow me, be my disciple, and you'll have an abundance in life. Okay. Then Peter said to him, Behold, hey, Jesus, Jesus right here. I love it. When, when we're all sitting at the dinner table and talking, Isaiah, he'll, he'll raise his hand, and he'll sit there like this, you know? <laughs> Behold, Isaiah has a question, right? That's really what he's getting to. Behold, Peter's got a question. We have, lost, we have left everything. We've left everything, Jesus. I left at the shore. The day you called me to follow you, I got the biggest catch of my lifetime. Our boats were sinking into the water. And I left my boat. I left that catch. Peter had a wife. He left his wife. Okay? He didn't divorce her. He went out to follow Jesus. We left everything and we followed you. What then will be there for us? Verse 28, And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne. You say, hey, not right now. Not on the earthly side. But on the heavenly side. You also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. They'll get that abundant eternity. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, we have the contrast of two the heavenly and the earthly. The earthly decays, the earthly is stolen, it's eaten, it's falling apart. On the heavenly side, it grows. It builds and it's lasting. The end result. And we see this same idea in James chapter 5. You see, the reason why we see a lot of Jesus' words go into the epistles is because these all sat at the feet of Jesus. I love one theologian said that Every 
New Testament verse, every New Testament passage and thought originates in the mouth of Christ. James chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Where moth and rust destroy, right? The word moth-eaten here is a word, it's, it's the combination of two words. Setobratos. And it literally means ses, which is moth, and brabrasco, to eat. The moth are eating it. It's just being eaten up. He continues on, your gold and your silver have rusted. And their rust will be a witness against you. And will consume your flesh like fire. Oh man, you're going to be so wrecked. James is saying, man, when you set your heart towards your 401k, you set your mind towards that degree. You set your mind towards climbing the corporate ladder, and when they didn't need you anymore, they cut you out. That's what James is getting to here. When you put value on everything but Christ, when you put value on everything that's heavenly. He continues on, last portion of verse 3. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasures. What Jesus wants His followers to do is to focus on what lasts. Focus on what brings joy. Focus on what has eternal reward. Focus on what goes on and lives on into eternity. Amen? Richard DeHaan wrote uh, this, uh, and I love it. It was an old daily bread. I don't remember exactly from when. It goes like this. A, gang of, a, a band of gangsters in France got away with more than $3.5 million dollars. It was like the heist of the century. But the thieves had a huge problem. The loot was in French coins worth only about $2 each, weighing in at 17 tons. A Paris newspaper taunted the bandits with this statement. You can't buy a chateau, you can't buy a car, or even a pair of crocodile shoes with the bags of change that you hold. And if you go to celebrate your coup, the owner of the smallest cafe will become suspicious before you drop the tenth coin on the counter. The article continued, their punishment is included in their success. They will have to spend their loot frank by frank. They can buy millions of bottles of soft drinks. But what else? They became vending machine rich, right? Those robbers had what might be called a wealth of poverty. Although they were rich, they couldn't spend their money for anything worthwhile. Their situation reminds me of people who spend a lifetime accumulating things while making no provisions for eternity. They have material wealth, 
but are spiritually poor. How much better are the words of Jesus? Matthew 6.20 Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Anything else is just a wealth of poverty. Richard DeHaan. Let's put it this way. What drives you to do the things that you do? What do you hold in your heart? What makes you wake up? If you lost everything that this world had to offer you right now, if you went home and you're... And I, I, I hope this doesn't happen. So if it, it, this is the case, please don't come back and sue the pants off me or something. If you went home today and your house is burnt down to the ground, could you st- kill, still keep on going? Or was your heart set on that? Listen, on your deathbed, your focus isn't going to be your 401k. On your deathbed, it's not going to be your bank account or your business that you're worrying about. You know what your mind turns towards when you're sitting on your last and breathing your last? It's your kids. It's your grandkids. It's your relationship with your Savior and the people that you had friendships with. You know what your real main concern in the end when you're on your deathbed and you're sick and you know that it's not much longer, you know what your main concern is and what you want to do more than anything else in life? You know what it is? It's to hold the hand of the one you love. That's the most valuable thing. It's not to win the last argument. It's not to accumulate anything else that this world has to offer you. It's not to be known. But it's to be seen as great in the eyes of the people you care about. You see, because when it matters, the rest of the things in life don't matter. Do not wait until death is at your door to realize what matters the most in life. To put value on things that can't be taken away. To put values on things that are long-lasting, the friendships, the family, and your relationship with Christ. Those things have value. And you can't put a price on those. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.